Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, change makers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Welcome to Impact the World, where my guest this week is Kim Shaper. You may have seen Rebecca Shaper, Kim's mother, interviewed a few episodes ago. In that episode, we discussed A Sister's Call, which is the documentary that Rebecca made, which involved her whole family. So if you check that episode out or the documentary, you will know Kim because she featured in that documentary quite prominently. The reason I wanted to have Kim on the show is she has taken her own past with eating disorders and mental health struggles and turned it into her life's work so far. So Kim and I talk about eating disorders, body image, and her work helping others transform not only their outer appearance, but their inner feelings and the body balance and inner chemistry that is so often missing as a piece in the way that we treat our bodies. So enjoy this episode. And as usual, you can find links to Kim's work in the show notes where we provide links. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm just, it's such an honor to be on your platform. And it means a lot to me that you have me on here. So your audience is very grateful to have you. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, Mm -hmm. we met last year at um, our Soul Magic Retreat in Costa Rica. And what was really cool about meeting you there was we were doing circuit training in the morning, me and a couple of team members, before we would go and run the retreat in the day. And about four or five days in, I think, you said, hey, if you want me to train you and your team, I'd be happy to do that one morning because fitness and training people is your thing. Mm-hmm. You kicked our butts. Like, you I know, there it. we all were, like, <laughs> thinking we were tired before we met you. And mm-hmm. then I literally it was like, it was fantastic, though. And um, it was so great to experience your teaching. And from there, I really, um, I really hooked into what you were doing on Instagram. And what I see in the work that you do, and I know you do various things, but... I think you you open up such an important conversation about our self-image, our body image, and our mental health and how they all intersect. Mm-hmm. So I've recently interviewed your mom, yes. um, Rebecca Shaper. So those of you who've seen um, or heard that, that podcast, you might know a bit of Kim's story from the documentary, A Sister's Call. But what set you on the road to doing this work the way that you're doing it now? Such a great question. Thank you for asking. First off, you nailed it at the retreat. You did so well. I remember you walking around and saying, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to sit on the toilet. My legs are so (laughs) sore, but I love that. Um, And so I apologize. You said you asked what got me into this. I was so preoccupied by how sore your legs were. So, (laughs) Um, you know, I think for me, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, As I was saying earlier, I I don't like people telling me what to do and I like to be my own boss and I like to kind of set my own schedule. So that was a part of it. And also I think for me, um, I was in, I've been in the fitness space since 2005. And over that course of time, I was working at various gyms 
And one thing that really stood out for me, especially I would say around 2013, 2014, um, while I loved what I was doing and I absolutely loved my clients, there was this, this burning desire to do more and that while I loved it, you know, and I was counting reps and doing these things and giving my clients exercises in the back of my mind, I was creating and I was thinking, okay, what else can I do? How can I create blogs? How can I get this message out? And I found myself disconnecting from my clients. And I also found a little bit of resentment that I was becoming resentful of being in the confines of this small gym that I, in my gut, I knew I was supposed to be, um, really helping people on a much, much larger scale than just within the gym. That that was what you were built for. Yeah. 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 Which was very evident when I first met you. And I think one of the most striking Instagram posts of yours that I ever saw, and I, I had a real personal resonance with, you shared a photo of yourself when you were heavier mm -hmm. and you shared a photo of yourself as you, as you look now. And you, you talked about in that post, um, you said struggling with depression then, mm -hmm. still sometimes struggle with depression now. And, mm -hmm. and you don't see many people talking about that, but it's so important how a physical transformation is not always an inner transformation, yet we're often sold this idea if we figure out our body or our health, mm -hmm. everything else changes, which right. I have personal experience isn't the truth. It's not. No, yeah. it's so true. And, and I think there's, um, there's just such a misconception out there. I think people see others, maybe whether it be on social media or just in everyday life. And they think, wow, you know, they've got it all together. They have all the things. And then they don't really know what's going on within that person. That person really might be struggling or they might be, um, you know, just having a really hard time. And I think it's easy for people to create that comparison trap and mm. think, oh gosh, you know, only if I was doing what this person was doing or only if I was at what this person's doing, then my life would be happy. And it just doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. And what I've also learned, the more I've grown and my business has grown, the more I've had to lean into discomfort and figure out, okay, what what are some trigger things going on for me? What are what are some things that I need to work on within myself because I see it coming up in my business? Mm, that's so true. It, the entrepreneurial path as the ultimate path of self-growth, I oh. think, you know? People don't realize, they think, no, they wow, oh my gosh, it's so easy, it must be so fun. I'm like, you have no idea. Totally. <laughs> I, I remember many years ago working with uh, a client who I was mentoring and she had this idea. She said, I'm gonna become a best-selling author and then everything's mm -hmm. gonna be great. And I was like, no, because it might be great on one level, but you're gonna mm -hmm. have to figure out money, you're gonna have to figure out running a team and these mm -hmm. things are stressors until you learn to, to figure them out. So It's so true. And you know, there's something t Tony Robbins said, I'll never forget. He said, um, you know, I've worked with Academy Award winners, uh, you know, billionaires, and they come into my office and the first thing they say is, I'm not happy. Like I, I thought I would be happy when I made this money or when I had this best-selling book or when I won this Academy Award. And I quickly realized it didn't make me any happier. And so he said something that's always kind of resonated with me. He said, anytime someone grows, let's say it's you're going up a mountain and you, halfway, you go halfway up this mountain, you might hit this milestone. A lot of times people are so fixated on trying to find this end goal and get to the top that they miss out on all these little milestones. So it's about hitting those milestones, looking around, seeing what's around, enjoying the moment and being really in tune with that moment 
and then saying, okay, I'm ready to go again. Because it's easy to forget where we started, especially if we're really hard on ourselves or we're driven. And a lot of times what we think is the end goal never really is. There's different paths and different ways you, you approach it. So. so true, the experience that you're feeling rather than what you're building on the outside because mm -hmm. we're so, I think society is changing now, but certainly when I was growing up, we were all uh, fixated on outer realities. That was kind of where we were taught to place our focus, get married, have kids, mm -hmm. have a successful career. Plenty of money will take away all your problems. And of course, right. you know, the, the shock horror that you have when X, Y, and Z doesn't fill the inner hole. Mm -mm. So I'm curious for you, have you, I know you've had quite a journey with fitness, your body. Can you, mm -hmm. can you just take us through a, a, few, a few of like your big experiences around the body and around mm -hmm. um, using the body to soothe or mm -hmm. destroy? Gosh, such a great question. So if you, if you want, I'll give you a quick little background Perfect. so that way everyone can kind of understand. Um, quick story, I uh, was always pretty um, active growing up in middle school and high school. I never really had any issues with food. I enjoyed food. Um, I didn't really view my body good nor bad. It was just indifferent. I enjoyed being active and I enjoyed just having fun. Um, it wasn't until I went away to college I gained the traditional uh, freshman 15 and I came home and, and my mom was very kind. She's like, hey, you know what? What if we just got a trainer together? And I had never lifted weights in my entire life. I just ran cross country and that was it. I would pick up these little measly weights here and there, but, but that was the extent of it. So I said, okay, let's do it. So we hired this trainer and I think this is a big reason why I went into the field. I don't know if my mom truly knows this, but um, I, I got into it, met the trainer. My mom and I trained with this guy for the summer. And I got in great shape. Um, he put us on a very specific diet. It was essentially really five foods that we could have. And I never really understood the term or the behavior of binging until I experienced this type of dieting. So what I mean by that is since we are on such a restrictive food intake and we are only allowed certain foods, sure, my body responded really well. One, because I was 19, and two, because I had never dieted before. So I loved how I looked. I thought, wow, okay, I'm getting really lean and really fit and strong. And I would go back to the gym and, and I found myself having a lot of self-image issues thinking, okay, I have to maintain this. Like, how am I going to do this? And so the, the trainer and other people would, would just give these affirmations of, wow, you look amazing. What are you doing? And so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to maintain this certain image. And I, I found that with the binging piece, which I had never experienced before, I would Every, as people say, they eat clean Monday through Friday, and then come the weekend, they just binge mm. and they go hog wild. And a lot of that is that all or nothing type mindset when it comes to food. And I realized on the weekends, I would binge on like pizza and cakes and sugar. And I'd never experienced that before. And then I'd come back to the gym and the trainer would say, you've gained weight. You know, you, you look heavier, you look swollen. And so then that started to feed my insecurities. And I thought, okay, well, I've, I've got to lean out again or I can't eat this stuff. So it became this vicious cycle. And I went away to college and that diet essentially became my Bible. Um, I had it in my right pocket and my dieting and my, my food behaviors went hand in hand with abusive relationships. So if I was dating a man who's very abusive, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, the food went hand in hand with that. So my way of numbing and not communicating was through restriction 
or compulsive exercise. So I would go for hours on end to run if my feelings were hurt by my partner rather than having that difficult conversation. So my parents came, they saw me at school and I, I had got, I got down to about 75 pounds and I'm 5'4 right now. I'm probably maybe about 135. I tend to hold muscle. So 75 pounds is really low for me. Yeah. Um, they pulled me out of school. I was in and out of treatment centers seven times over the course of my twenties. So I never really got to experience my twenties really. Um, a lot of my friends were getting married. They're having, starting to have children and here I was just getting out of another treatment center, trying just to, just to survive. Um, so the, the first few treatment centers, it was fine, but with insurance, especially in the States, they view you kind of as, as a number. So once you reach your, your weight, then you're pulled out of treatment, um, especially if it's covered by insurance, and then you have to kind of figure it out on your own. So you really don't have any coping skills to use. So while I would get out and my weight normalized, I still felt like the same, like yeah. a, nothing, nothing really shifted. And so I would go back to my restricted behaviors. And one thing that I think is really important for people to know is when anytime there's like this, this d disordered eating pattern where people are restricting or they're really using food as a means to numb out. Um, one of the scariest things for me was after these restriction periods, I would be so hungry, like physically and emotionally. And my way of developing my sense of self-esteem and confidence was by how I looked. And so when I would start to regain the weight, because physiologically I was hungry, it was also really hard, a really hard time for me. And I think it is for a lot of women when they emotionally start feeding themselves again. It's like your brain wants to numb out because you're hungry. Yet when you start regulating your food intake again, your, your brain starts to regulate. And then all the stuff that you suppress is coming up and you don't know how to manage it. And so if you don't have the tools, then you're going to go right back to your old behaviors. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it, again, I was in and out of treatment centers for a while and I finally was like, okay, something has to give. Um, I was, I was binging and purging and I was really depressed and I was just going like suicidal and stuff. And thank God for my family. I would not be here today if it wasn't for them. Um, they are incredible throughout the entire experience. So I think for me, after going through all of that and really just kind of coming out the other end, um, it was really important for me to share and really help other people um, tap into their sense of um, purpose in this world. I, I hate even saying that, but just, I guess, knowing that they're loved unconditionally and that it's not really about the food and it's not about the weight. It's so much deeper than that. And I think sometimes it's hard for a lot of us to see that because we're a society for quick fixes. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also love it because, you know, when I first met you, and I, I hadn't met you before mm -hmm. last year. Um, it, it, it was very easy to admire you physically mm -hmm. when I first met you. And we are, we do, we do that to each other. Mm -hmm. and, and it was, you know, because we're all there in Costa Rica, not wearing much. And so, you know, to see your, your muscle definition and mm -hmm. your, you were clearly an athlete, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, cool, you know, and yeah. she's got it all together. So mm -hmm. I think that's ultra powerful 
that you're on social media mm -hmm. with your image, but talking about your journey, your history, your now. Mm -hmm. um, because I think all too often we see a lot of, you know, the kind of the kind of imagery. It's like, hey, yeah, here I am on a yacht in a bikini mm -hmm. with abs. You right. know? And then everybody who doesn't have, you know, bikini and abs sure. is like, oh, I... Sure, so sure. It's really important. I think that was the power for me of you sharing the internal journey is different to the external journey. And it's so important because we're all going to age. Yes. And I think at the moment we still completely devalue age in our society. It's mm -hmm. all kind of stacked towards appreciation of younger people, especially in, you know, the, the kind of middle ages. It's mm -hmm. okay, but I think we kind of completely deny the beauty of of, of old age and, mm -hmm. and yet that we're all going there. Oh, absolutely. We are. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, for those that are listening, especially females that again, tend to compare and scroll on social media and, you know, feel down about themselves that they're looking at different profiles and stuff. I think being in the industry for as long as I have so much of that is smoke and mirrors. And I like to debunk that. I mean, I, again, I'm super grateful that I am strong and I have, you know, some good genetics on my side. I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate for that. And not everybody has that. Um, and I also want to debunk that just because someone might look like, you know, they're super ripped and they're eating this pizza. Uh, behind the scenes, it's never the case. It rarely is because I know a lot of the people that do that and they struggle immensely with food issues, um, with, you know, starving themselves with major hormonal imbalances. And so, um, again, a lot of times it is smoke and mirrors. And so for me, it's how can I show up authentically and in a way that provides humor, but also a sense of realness and really just kind of help people own their, their worth. Mm. Because I think it's also easy for, and this is a case for myself and maybe some other of your listeners where um, i it was a very trying time for me between my masculine and feminine energy because due to some of my, my trauma, my background, um, I had to appear strong at all times. So it's like, I remember you saying like that warrior spirit. And while I have the warrior spirit, it can be a blessing and a curse because I'll push and I'll muster through. Yet I also have to learn to have that yin and yang and that ebb and flow and that compassion Um but I think getting back to the piece about the masculine feminine energy is some women really, whether it be um, just uh, emotional eating where they might be very heavy for their size and they don't, they feel a sense of, they don't want um, people invading their space. So they take up a lot of space mm. or, uh, and they've you know, endured some sort of trauma or where in my case, the trauma I endured, it was more of, okay, I got to appear physically strong at all times because if I'm not physically strong at all times, then I'm going to, I'm going to break or people are, are going to invade my space. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it makes complete mm -hmm. sense. You know, my, my, my story was, was, was pre bulimia. It was binge eating. Mm -hmm. I, I never really, um, anorexia was not really ever my thing. I, I sometimes wished it was, you know, as no, you, you don't, no, <laughs> no, you no, don't. No. And I'm, I'm saying that <laughs> yeah. to talk about the, the diseased mind when it comes to, you yeah. know, isms and schisms, you know, it's like, you think, oh God, I wish I could just master not eating. But yeah. of course that's just a sick in the other direction. Of course. Right. And I read Portia de Rossi's book, Unbearable Lightness, mm. uh, about eight, nine years ago. And her, her thing was anorexia. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed how similar it was. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, completely other end of the spectrum in terms of the eating disorder, mm -hmm. the same feelings, the same, um, 
the same running from self, the same um, fear of how you're going to be treated in the world. It was, it was fascinating. So that, what was what was a few different common denominators you found with the similarities with the anorexia and the bulimia? Like, what do you feel like were the deep-seated belief systems? Really low self-worth, self-hatred. Mm -hmm. um, the belief that you're wrong, the belief that there is something wrong with you, the belief that you can't function in the world. Um, mm -hmm. And something about trying to survive and cover up your sensitivity or deal with your sensitivity, which is really high and you clearly don't have tools or haven't had enough affirmation around you that it's safe to be here. Mm -hmm. So either wanting to, well, you disappear both ways. You know, with anorexia, you disappear because you, you're literally disappearing in front of people's eyes. Mm -hmm. But when you're very overweight too, you disappear in society's eyes because you become invalidated. Yes, and yes, yes, I yes. remember so many people, like I remember being looked up and down by people who would meet me first and you see and feel the judgment that they make, um, yes. you know, before I lost the 60 pounds that I lost when I was 16. But then you and I have talked about this. People go, oh, good for you. The weight's lost or mm -hmm. you've gained the weight. And, and that's really just the beginning because that's yeah. just the physical experience. Now mm -hmm. you have to deal with the new inner self. You do. And you yeah. have to find that connection because I think for anyone going through that, you feel like your body's 10 feet away from you and your soul's so far away. It's like, okay, how can you connect the two and what feels right and what doesn't, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, and the shame, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the shame that got you there in the first place and then the shame that you carry because you went there. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's very layered. And I'm curious, you know, we've talked a lot about women. Mm -hmm. how, do you find, how do you find what you have stood for so far, which I know is more directed towards women, mm -hmm. but I know many guys who are worried about how they look or mm -hmm. wish they were more ripped or, you know, I, mm -hmm. think it, I think it exists for guys in a different way. I think mm -hmm. men have had the privilege of not having to fight for their rights as much as women. So mm -hmm. they, they haven't had to put all their value on how they look the way that I think women had to for such a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious, what, how do guys connect with your story, your message? What, what do you hear from them? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I think um, they they watch from the sidelines. Uh, it's it's very interesting because I'll have a lot contact me over time, but I see they watch my stuff for six months, eight months, a year, and then they finally feel comfortable kind of coming in and saying, "Hey, I've been watching your stuff for a while. I can I can really resonate. I need to I, I want to get in shape or I want to eat better." Or a lot of men will reach out to me because they identify my story with their wife. Um, so that's always interesting too. But with men, I, I, I love it. It's, it's fun because you guys are just a, a different breed. And it's nice because while there is the emotional component, there's also a lot of practicality. And I, can, I feel like I can get to men a little bit quicker mm -hmm. than with women and without having to peel back so many layers. Because um, women, we're interesting. We're always in our heads. And I know men are that way too, but there's so many different emotional components. And I find with men, if I, we, we kind of, we were able to dig a bit quicker, we can kind of get to the root of stuff a bit quicker. I feel like I can give them a little bit more tough love and I see the results quicker with men. Yeah. Um, and I, I really love working with men. I think for a long time, I thought I had to narrow my scope to just women because I thought, okay, I don't want to put too much out there because I want to niche my audience. Yeah, and I also love working with men too. They're super fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you do quite a bit of work around 
hormones and hormonal imbalance. And mm -hmm. I know you just recently did a hormone reset challenge, which mm -hmm. was amazing. And yeah. I know Stephen was one of your guests. Uh, Stephen, my husband, was one of your he guests. Did such a great job. Guest yeah. teachers in there. And it looked like a phenomenal program. I don't know much about mm -hmm. hormone, hormonal imbalance. So, yeah, can, can you share something about that with sure. us and how that shows up? Absolutely. So what I also noticed too, um, when I had kind of overcome a lot of my eating disorder stuff, I still didn't feel right. Something fell off and I was going to different doctors and they were saying, no, you're fine. One thing that's really prevalent is um, a lot of the conventional doctors do not test all the proper labs, mm. especially for females. Um, they, they only test a portion of the thyroid. So the, th the females need a full thyroid panel and so do men. But if you go to just a, a regular conventional doctor, they'll just test your TSH and your T4. But your thyroid is, is, is your T4 and T3. And a lot of times they will not do like the, the free T4 um, or the reverse T3, free T3. And so all those are really, really important to be able to figure out, okay, well, where is the thyroid gland? How is it functioning? And so a lot of times I'll hear clients say, well, I went to the doctor and they said I was fine, but I know I'm not. I'm, you know, maybe gaining weight or I'm feeling super tired or I'm, you know, really bloated and extended or my hair is falling out um, or my menstrual cycles are out of control. Something doesn't feel right. And so a, I have found a lot of just the, the regular conventional doctors, they just kind of want to keep us alive. They don't really care if we're gaining weight or feeling really tired. They just say, we'll cut back your calories and exercise more. And it's it's not always the case. There's a lot more to it. Um, the body is all about homeostasis. It wants a state of balance. And when that equilibrium is thrown off, sure, you can try to regulate it with nutrition and exercise and stress management and sleep, which are so important. Yet there is a huge hormonal component, especially women going into their 30s on. You have women dealing with perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and there are four main components for people that really struggle with weight. It's usually estrogen dominance, um, low thyroid, high cortisol, or um, insulin resistance. And so with this society being so stressed out, we're in that mm. constant fight or flight response, that sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous, uh, nervous response. So when we're in this constant state of stress, the body can't adapt. And so our adrenals take a hit and our, our system just takes a hit. So we're in constant fight or flight. That's why a lot of us keep the weight on. Um, that's why a lot of us have issues with, um, you know, pre-diabetes, mm -hmm. um, with a lot of the sugar and stuff. Uh, and a lot of women struggle with like estrogen dominance. And so there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the hood that a lot of doctors don't really care to look at. Mm. So for me, it was important to include that in my messaging because that's really overlooked a lot of times. It's like, okay, what's underneath that hood? Yes, you're gaining weight. Yes, you're you know, having a lot of gut issues, but what else is going on? Once you've regulated your nutrition and your fitness, like there could easily be other things. And what I've found, 99% of my clients have a thyroid imbalance or they have insulin issues, or they're going through perimenopause. Hmm. So, and men, um, low testosterone, low yeah. B12, low DHEA, which are all very strong components for you know men to be able to have motivation and to be able to have a good sex drive and to build muscle. So yeah. those are really important too. So 
Clearly, all of this work is your passion, but as we know, taking it into entrepreneurship is a whole other deal. So <laughs> what indicators were there for you in your earlier life that you had, you know, this, this, this desirability to be an entrepreneur? Great question, and I would love to know yours too. <laughs> I would say uh, when I was about seven, I had this, I don't know if you remember those caboodles, mm -mm. but it's these caboodles that you like flip open and they're layered and you can put all these different makeup things in there. My friend and I made these friendship bracelets out of yarn. And so we went door to door saying, hey, for 25 cents, we'll create a friendship bracelet for you. So I made 25 cents for every neighbor I went to, created the friendship bracelets. But unfortunately, I couldn't make 100 of them, so I had to go back and give quarters back to everybody else. So what I did instead is I made these horrific cookies out of three ingredients, and I sold them at the pool, and people bought them because they felt bad, but they were absolutely disgusting. So I think I've always kind of had that drive yeah. to, to do my own thing and you know, financially support myself, but... Um, I would say that started it. That's cool. What That's about funny. you? Oh, there were a few, but the one that I, the one <laughs> that I'm most and least proud of, yeah, is um, when I was about 13. I ran an illegal rental video <laughs> business in the playground at school for two years. So I, I was, I loved movies or always have, and yeah. so I would have, all, I would buy movies on VHS. Yeah. And I suddenly thought, what if I rented these out like a mobile blockbuster video, you know? That's awesome. So yeah, that was like 30 years ago and I ran it for two years. Wow. And, and yeah, that, the videos were flying across that playground oh and I gosh. ran it all from a, a backpack and yeah. That so. is fantastic. It's funny, it took me years to make the connection mm -hmm. that, oh, that's interesting that, you know, to, to see the seed of that yeah. with ending up being an entrepreneur now, which wasn't what I thought I would be. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, the, the seeds are always there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What for you as an entrepreneur, say mm -hmm. this past 12 months, what's been your biggest breakthrough and your biggest challenge? Gosh, that's a great question. Biggest breakthrough, I think, um, getting out of my comfort zone and doing something that was challenging for me, yet I know it could be done, but it was out of my, my realm, out of my norm. The, I think getting into the, the hormone reset program, it was a, a really good success for me. And it got me out of just the fitness stuff. Cause I, I feel like at a deeper level, I, I knew a bit more than I was willing to share. So that was a big deal. I think by leaning into my discomfort and trying something that was a little bit out of the norm brought me um, to a different level. Um, biggest challenge, I would say, trying to work on myself the same time that I'm working on my business. Mm. Because as we know, being an entrepreneur, you, you have to feel pretty solid within yourself most of the time. And really have a sense of clarity because for me, I think as an entrepreneur, I'm like, oh, there's a squirrel, there's a squirrel, there's a squirrel, I'll do all these things. And then it's like, wait a minute, let's kind of reel it back in. While those things are great, is it really gonna be in your best interest? And so kind of playing around with some of that stuff has been a little challenging. Yeah, mm -hmm. so just talking about your breakthrough, I love that you said you knew more than you were ready to share or you you realized you knew more than you were ready to share. I think that's mm -hmm. so common. And that's part of the entrepreneur thinking. It's like, actually, I am ready to teach this or to offer this. And I actually think it's really healthy to stretch yourself. On the mm -hmm. one hand, it's great to teach what you know, mm -hmm. but I, 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 some of the things I'm proudest of over the years mm -hmm. are the things that I was really uncomfortable 
standing by. But it was interesting if I hadn't have laid that kind of um, challenge to myself, I would never have seen that I could do it. And I think that's true for most entrepreneurs. You, mm -hmm. you can do more than you think you can and you can offer work that you think you might not quite be ready for, you'll surprise yourself. Yes, I love that. That's so true because I think there's that imposter syndrome where we think we're not worthy enough of doing something or who are we to say we can do this? Um, I think a, a, a fear of mine was, okay, well, I'm not a doctor. Or I don't have a master's degree. So who am I to share this? And so I think that creeps up with a lot of people, that imposter syndrome. And then also, I feel like whatever happens, we figure it out. So one thing that I, I do and I encourage some other people to do too, and we don't have to, but I'll keep myself on the hook. So let's say I'm about to launch something. I'll say that I'm launching it at a certain time out to the public just so I don't have a way out. And so that is, that is what I do. It keeps me accountable and I get it done. I somehow just get it done and know that, okay, I'm on the hook for this. Totally. So. Totally, mm -hmm. that is the best thing to do. I did um, a five-day entrepreneur training called Impact the World mm -hmm. last year in San Diego, bringing it back in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, it's the thing I'm probably proudest of in everything I've done mm -hmm. for the last 15 oh, wow. years, and it was the thing I was most terrified of. So I opened booking like five months before I did it. Smart. Knowing I could do it, but not knowing how. And then, then you have to work it out. You do. Because you're going to turn up on the first day, and if you don't have your presentations ready, the egg is on your face. So It really is. That pressure is great. It's, it's great. And it also, again, it keeps you on the hook and it keeps you accountable. And, and I feel like that sometimes we feel like that we're paralyzed because we want to do things just perfectly. Mm. And to me, it's much better to take action imperfectly than to hold back and try and do it just perfectly. Otherwise, you're going to constantly paralyze yourself and you're never going to be able to take that leap. But the more I found that when I when I take those those imperfection steps or those those times when I put something out there that it's not just right, it doesn't matter. Like I always figure it out. And I feel like we we are often hard on ourselves that we think, oh gosh, well, if I do this, what's gonna happen? Because we wanna know the outcome. Yet sometimes the, you won't know the outcome, but you just gotta take one step at a time, put one foot in front of the other. And you do, you always figure it out. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. It's a little bit like, you know, when you look in the mirror, and you're not thrilled with what you see, mm -hmm. and then someone meets you in annihilation, they go, oh, you look really great today. It's that same dysmorphia. It it's really like we're not necessarily is. going to have a perception of ourselves. The outside world is 99% is, is of the time way more forgiving to you than you will ever be for yourself. Yes. So it's remembering that your inner experience mm -hmm. of what you are doing in the world is not how everyone else is experiencing it. Like so they don't true. know how flustered you are or worried you are mm -hmm. they're just taking at face value what it is you're offering and i i actually think that's one of the i think that's one of the breakthroughs as an entrepreneur when you really get that down and you mm -hmm. really go oh yeah i'm going to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. oh yeah that's part of it i'm going to be uncomfortable regularly and if i'm looking to grow in any way it's just going to show up it is and yeah. i the one of my favorite quotes is getting comfortable in the uncomfortable mm -hmm. and you do you have to get uncomfortable to grow and yet once you continue to do it, you build that resilience. And then I think that resilience turns into even more self-confidence. Yeah. Well, okay, wow, I can actually do this. Okay, I've got this. Yeah. You know, rather than staying paralyzed because we think we can't. So you mentioned your challenge, you know, in the past year has been giving yourself self-growth mm -hmm. outside of the business and the work. What have you done in the last year that would constitute, you know, self-growth that you can kind of see as 
is you working on that side of things? You know, I have to admit, I listen to a lot of your stuff and I'm very inspired by you and Stephen. Um, and uh, so I would say that for sure. Yeah. And then I would, I'm part of a mastermind, which is essentially like a smaller um, group of entrepreneurs. And we all kind of challenge each other and call each other out on our stuff because we're able to see at a deeper level what's going on rather than just the business side. Um, so a lot of them know me well and they're able to kind of hold me accountable to some of that. And I've also thought about getting a some sort of coach or some sort of um, mentor just to, to kind of help me out and, and work through some of my patterns that I notice are still there and they're still deep seated. It doesn't matter how much growth I've done or how much I've worked on myself. There's still patterns and still things that I that come up that I'm aware of that I haven't fully worked through yet. So, yeah. so that's that's pretty that's a pretty good amount of things right there. Mm -hmm. Which I, I was just curious because I was like, well, have you done anything, or mm -hmm. is it that mind that we all have of oh, I need to do more of this? But you know, the mental thing is is so vital. I mean, I think I think especially when you work in growth with other mm -hmm. people. It's so vital to have that feedback loop for yourself and to, like you said, be be growing off to the side. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for, and you might agree with this too, is that some of my friends that aren't entrepreneurs, they don't understand. And so I can't mm. really have a full conversation with them about my struggles or even my husband. He doesn't understand the business. So it's hard for me to go to him with business questions. Um, so I rely on my business mentor. Um, and my husband's great for emotional support and he can offer that, but say, I don't know what to tell you to do. And sometimes you just need someone just to listen and just to say, it's gonna be okay, yeah. you know? And then you also kind of need your little tribe of the people that you can go to for business advice, for emotional advice, for whatever it may be. I feel like you have to really develop that um, yeah. I so agree. Mm -hmm. and, and having, it's, it's no different to, and I remember seeing this a lot when all my friends started to have kids, mm -hmm. they need other parents. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, there's often this thing that happens where they don't see their single friends or their non-parenting friends as much anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not always the case, mm -hmm. but often it needs to be because it's, you know, shared experience and, and needing to bring in people who are having uh, kind of the same experience that they can then share and bond through. And I'm so grateful for my entrepreneur friends because I, exactly as you said, they are the ones I can, they get it in, in the same mm -hmm. way that, that, that we would. They really do. And you don't feel so alone. Totally, mm -hmm. totally. Um, so I'm curious, the world is your oyster. Okay. What's next? The first thing that comes to mind is um, traveling more, doing more public speaking opportunities, um, doing maybe some more retreats, in-person events. While I love doing programs and sitting behind the scenes, I've also come to realize a lot of, um, just some of my, a little bit of my depression I've gone through this year has been because I just haven't been around people as much. Mm. So my work is really behind my computer. And um, so I know that I need that community more. So, and I love being around people. I didn't realize yeah. that until I started doing my own thing. And I'm sure you can agree too. I love so being relate. an introvert, you know, and I love that alone time. Yet I also need that, that community to feel, to really thrive and to get me out of my own headspace. So yeah. To answer your question, I would love to do more public speaking, more community type stuff in person, just on a larger scale. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I see. 
That's great. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to, it took me years to work out that I would, I would binge and purge on people. Yeah. So I would overdo it with people for like mm -hmm. three weeks and then <laughs> yeah. I would like retreat for a week. Sure. And it was so imbalanced for me. And I was like, mm. no, I love alone time, mm -hmm. but I have to monitor it. I have to kind of dance between the two. That, mm -hmm. That's kind of my healthy balance. So I so relate and I'm sure many people will. Because I think that's the tricky thing about being self-employed and so much that can be done through the computer. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. And it can be very isolating and you don't get that kind of energy contact that, that, that we need. It's so true. And then I also think it's important to really feel where your energy needs to go because we, we only have a certain amount of energy mm. every day. So we have to protect that, especially in our line of work. And we give so much, yet we have to replenish. And so what does that look like? Sometimes that means that we go and lift weights to get that restorative energy, or that means taking a nap or whatever that may be. So also having that self-awareness that we we also need that energy, whether it be within ourselves to restore, or sometimes we need the energy from others to, to kind of thrive off that. So I do agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that comes up a lot for people who are working publicly mm -hmm. or going into working publicly is, oh, I'm worried about people attacking me or judging me or I don't know mm -hmm. if I want that level of exposure. Mm -hmm. How have you dealt with that? Because you're, you're, you're about four years into mm -hmm. to being out there on the internet and mm -hmm. how, have you, how have you dealt with that? And did you have any fears about that at the beginning? Absolutely. I definitely mm. did. And I think it goes back to the imposter syndrome of, okay, are, are people going to find out? Or, I mean, like, what are they going to find out? Right. Um, I think we're harder on ourselves. Uh, have I had troll experiences for sure? And you know what? Now I see it as, okay, well, I'm getting my message out there even more. And that just means I'm just putting myself out there more. So if people, I, I used to get really offended and I used to get my feelings hurt really bad. And I was like, lash out really quick because I was so full of emotion and anger. And now I take a minute and I sit back and I decide either A, if I'm going to respond at all, I might just avoid it. Or B, I might just say, gosh, I'm really sorry you, you're, you're feeling that way. Or I might say something along those lines where, because to me now I see it as they must be really sad or mm. really um, unhappy if they have to sit there and troll other people's stuff and make derogatory comments. Yeah. So, and then sometimes I'll just block them. Mm. So I do that too. Totally. So, yeah, but I, I say if, if, you know, your students or the entrepreneurs, they get trolls in the beginning, amazing. That just means you're sticking people and getting people <laughs> uncomfortable. So, it's, I mean, it's true. It's like, you know, if you're, if you think back to your playground days, mm -hmm. even the popular kid, had a few people kind of like, going, yeah, I don't like him. Mm -hmm. The difference with the internet is some people will be vocal about it. So I always say to people who are really scared about that, mm -hmm. I say, think of your favorite author, singer, songwriter, public figure, actor, go to Amazon, look up one of their products, mm -hmm. one of their things, and hit their one-star reviews. Ah, and especially yeah. if it's someone you love, mm -hmm. you're a little bit shocked to see like these one-star takedowns because mm -hmm. it's not the one-star, it's what what a lot of those one-star reviewers will say. Some might be giving a legitimately one-star review for a reason, sure. but the level of attack and judgment mm -hmm. and vengeance that people take in, mm -hmm. in reviews that, that they, they're not really aware of or is just unchecked. Mm -hmm. I think when you see some of your most loved people or people that you know aren't really very controversial. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember with Eckhart Tolle, uh, I thought, oh, I think just before I self-released a book like six, seven years ago, it mm -hmm. helped me to see people attacking Eckhart Tolle, who, if you don't know him, is a very famous spiritual um, teacher. 
And to me, he's harmless. Like there's, mm -hmm. the, you know, he's one of yeah. the most harmless, sweet people out there, really. Right. And people were playing takedown with him. So once you start mm -hmm. to depersonalize it and just see that it's par for the course, mm -hmm. it helps you go, okay, I'm going to weather a few mm -hmm. and I might learn something about my wounds on the way because the ones that really get under your skin or trick yes. you, it's really interesting. You're like, oh, wow, that really got to me. What mm -hmm. part of me agrees with them or what part of me has experienced that before and this is a moment to let it go. 100%. And yeah. then I think also it's easy to narrow in on that one negative comment when you have hundreds of other positive <laughs> ones. And yeah, you got, yeah, totally. you got to let it totally. go. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's also, I think, a self-management thing when mm -hmm. you work publicly. There are days that you should not be on social yes. media because you're just too sensitive yes. or things have gone badly that morning with mm -hmm. something you know it's like you, you have to you you have to you have to know when you're an athlete and when mm -hmm. you're not an athlete when you're resting and when you're when you're performing in terms of your your muscle I think in that way 100% and one thing I'd like to piggyback off of that is when I find myself in a very vulnerable place especially if I find that I'm getting triggered super easily um, with business stuff or other people I, I check it I say okay have I gotten enough rest Okay, have I avoided alcohol? Have I, um, you know, uh, done something for myself to take care of myself, like with exercise or something? Am I eating properly? And am I regulating my stress in some form or fashion? Mm. And a lot of times, if I'm feeling very vulnerable, I haven't slept well and my food kind of hasn't been that great and I haven't exercised in a couple of days. It's like, mm. oh, okay, there you are. Totally, so, totally. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in just kind of finishing with you, how mm -hmm. have you specifically used Instagram? Because mm -hmm. I really enjoy your Instagram platform. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how, how you have found, uh, what, what does Instagram do for you and what, what do you enjoy about it? Sure. And um, if, if any of your listeners have questions, I'll be happy. You can give them my email, personal email, and I'll be happy to help anyone that I can. Um, I would say for Instagram, it's been a work in progress. Uh, there's, with all the algorithm stuff, you gotta kind of play around with that. Um, but I really just try for Instagram to be 100% transparent. Mm. Um, I'll do stories and I'm really inappropriate. Like I'll do really ridiculous things, but people love humor. And one thing that I told myself and I told my husband as well, I said, and, and especially with Instagram, I think now, because that's a little bit bigger platform, Facebook is still prevalent and so is YouTube, but I found that a lot of people use Instagram, um, is that I told myself about a year ago, I said, I'm not going to try and, and be super like tidy and perfect or, you know, fit in this box on social media. I want to be exactly who I am behind the scenes that I am in front. Mm. And so that's me being goofy. That's me being silly and all these different things. So I, I encourage people just to bring their personality to the forefront and talk as though you're talking to someone, not, hi, my name is Kim and I've got na na na, you know, talk is like, hey, what's going on? People like that. They want to feel engaged. They want to know about your life, but they really enjoy the authentic side. Mm. Um, you know, they don't care about some anterior pelvic tilt or that your pelvis, this, this, or this. They just want to know, hey, how can I feel better in my jeans or something, yeah. you know? Um, so that's been a big one. And I really just take a lot of time. I spend at least for all my posts about an hour or so yeah. to work on it. Mm -hmm. It shows because I really, I, I, I feel uh, there's a crackle on your Instagram page. That's, you know, <laughs> Thanks, it's, uh, yeah. I don't spend much time on social media, but mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy looking at your page and 
the authenticity is what comes through. Oh, thank yeah, you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. So what are your next projects? Next projects, definitely I'm going to do the Hormone Reset program again. I would love to be able to make that even a larger platform. Thoroughly enjoyed that. That was my favorite. Uh, next projects, um, some travels and stuff, some public speaking gigs that I had said earlier. And um, really just uh, spending some quality time with my husband too mm -hmm. and my animals. And um, just I'm kind of just open. I'm going to allow things to see what unfolds for me and just try some different stuff, but yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for Thank coming and so having this. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. And I know that many people listening and watching are gonna get so much out of it. So yeah. thank you for doing what you do in the world. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Impact the World. And if you want to go deeper and more in depth with my work, you should check out my members group, The Portal. You can find it at my website, leeharrisenergy.com or visit theportal.world. <laughs>